Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another edition of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns got a much-needed win Sunday, but the celebration was muted. Baker Mayfield limped and struggled. The offense didn't score in the second half. And fans booed. With all that said, the Browns are alive, and we can debate if they're well, in the playoff trace with two straight coming up versus the Ravens. Here to discuss, to discuss it all with me is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. What is going on, Dave? Well, I'm I'm fine because I have Jonathan Taylor on my fantasy <laughs> team, and you get fifty plus points along with some other guys stepping up, and I got a big win, seven and four now. So, uh, you know, I don't drink coffee, but if I did, it would be tasting a lot better today. That's for sure. Um, I'll probably have some uh, other kind of drinks over the next few days, so I think those will taste really well. Well, there you go. Hey, I, I knew you had him. You, you recommended Taylor to me before the season. So every time I see him go off, I either think about you or shoot you a text. So you got that yeah. one right. There's no doubt about that. Sometimes you get them right, and then a lot of times you get them wrong. So, you know, as long as you get more right than you get wrong, I guess, stay above of water. But I'll, I'll tell you this. The Browns at least got it right. And, and this is all I'm going to say. And, I, you know, I don't even know how much we want to talk about that ridiculous game. But I will say this, okay? Scott, there was a point where I was watching that game where I just thought, what if they lose? Right. Like, when they were up 13 nothing, I didn't think there was any chance they were going to lose. But then when it got tight like that, I literally looked at the TV and thought to myself, this could be one of the worst losses in Brown's history. An O, a winless team, and – the expectations and what the Browns are going through. I mean, did you think the same thing? Like I was thinking this could be one of the worst losses. So the fact that they won the game keeps us from that feeling. Thank goodness. Yeah, for sure. Judd, I mean, you know, I, we've probably talked about this before, but you know, I post a story pretty much right when the game ends or within a couple of minutes after the game ending. So I can get downstairs to do the interviews and, you know, I'm writing along like the Browns win an ugly game. And all of a sudden it gets to 13 to 10. And I'm like, I'm going to have to come up with something else if they lose this game. And the only thing I could come up with, or the first thing I came up with was the Browns have six games left, but the season ended Sunday, right? Cause that's, that's what it would have felt like um, if they had lost to the Lions. It would have been awfully hard to come up with any kind of scenario in which they made it back to the playoffs. Right. And they got to 10 wins or whatever it would take to get there, especially coming off 45 to seven versus Patriots then losing at home to a winless Lions team with the guy who'd never, you know, who thrown four passes in his NFL career at quarterback. So the fact that it got that close is worrisome and it's probably scary for the Browns. Now the fact that they closed it out is good. And um, there were some positives to be taken there and there's reasons you can attribute to why it was so close penalties and, you know, miss field goal and miss extra point. But the bottom line is the Browns are heading into two huge games against Baltimore. And while everybody on the team keeps saying everything is in front of us, right? All our goals are still in front of us, which is true. It's hard to get, it's hard to have a whole lot of optimism given how the last couple of weeks have gone. Yeah. Before we get to that though, you know, there's very few players in the league that can single-handedly you know, kind of decide the outcome, if you know what I mean. I mean, and, and, and what I mean by that is in football, you know, a quarterback, you know, like a, a Tom Brady, you have different guys sure. that can do that at times. But I, I'm not sure they win that game if Nick Chubb's not on the, on the field. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. He's, I mean, he's the best player on offense, right? I mean, we, if you're an offensive line lover, you can have a conversation about Joe Batonio. Uh, I know there's Wyatt Teller fans. And obviously he's playing really well, but I would take Petonio over Teller. Um, but that's it, right? I mean, if you're looking at this Browns offense, it's all right, Joel Petonio, Nick Chubb. Obviously, Baker Mayfield has not played at any kind of level um, where you would consider him the best player on this offense, even though he's the most important because he's the quarterback. Uh, I know there's some people that argue the value of Kareem Hunt, and he's great. And if he comes back this weekend from that calf injury, He's missed the last five games. That will be a huge boost to this offense. But Kareem Hunt is not Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb is a better player than Kareem Hunt. I think you can argue, I mean, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. 
and I haven't watched enough of him, uh, but I think you can argue that Nick Chubb is the top one, two, or three running back in the league. Um, so, yeah, he's huge, and he does change games, and especially in the fourth quarter when you needed those yards, you needed those first downs to not give the ball back to the Lions, and you did not trust your passing game at all, Chubb was able to get the, the necessary yards. So, yeah, he's huge, and, you know, I mean, what a great guy to have on this team just because he's so reliable every time he's on the field. Yeah, I, I, he's definitely top five. I mean, Derrick Henry, but I would probably take Chubb over Henry just because Henry's at a different point in his career and he's got a lot of miles. So I, I would actually probably take Chubb ahead of him. Maybe not this year. I mean, he's hurt. Uh, Christian McCaffrey obviously is a workhorse. Uh, I don't know, man, Jonathan Taylor, he, he is that, I mean, if, if, if you do watch him, the, the, uh, he, he is just a different kind of uh, amazing back and we're not here to talk about him, but it, bottom line is you're right. Chubb is right there. And I mean, he's, you know, possibly the MVP of this team right now. I don't know. Uh, you're right. Not the most important position. Cause that's the quarterback, as you mentioned, but uh, yeah, I know it was ugly, but they get it done. And I, where do you stand on Stefanski right now? And just the whole, coaching scheme and you know we really broke that down after the Patriots game how do you feel about it after the Lions game to me it was none of that was Stefanski's fault none of the offensive issues against the Lions were Stefanski's fault and maybe it's maybe it's too general to say none you know if I went back and broke down every play um you know I could come up with some bad play calls or you know I'm sure there was one or two that watching the game I said oh I didn't love that call um, but to me, it was all about Baker on Sunday and, you know, the guy completes, I think it was 15 to 29, barely 50% for the second straight week. There were plays there to be made and, you know, it wasn't perfect conditions, you know, it was drizzly and windy. Um, they wanted to run the ball and they had success doing that, but you know, like the interception to Jarvis, the interception, the first interception intended for Jarvis Landry, right? It's first and 10. You run play action because the Lions are expecting you to run. That creates a huge window for Mayfield to throw. He's got great protection. Landry's coming wide open on a deep in route, and he just misses him by a mile. It's definitely high. It looks like it's behind him. If you're the coach, I don't know what you're supposed to do in that situation. Your quarterback is standing in the pocket and can't make a throw. It turns into an interception. Like there's That's not Kevin Stefanski. I thought that was a well-timed call in the right call. And if he completes the pass, you're probably at the 40 yard line and you're, you know, 25 yards away from field goal range. So I didn't have an issue with how Stefanski called the game. I thought he got real conservative in the second half because you couldn't trust Mayfield in that passing game. And you had to rely on Nick Chubb and your offensive line. And that's what he did. And luckily it was good enough to get it done. I mean, Mayfield finishes, you know, one for seven for minus one yard on a tight end screen in a Joku, you know, there's a tip ball in there. There's a sack in there. There's another interception that it didn't seem like a terrible throw. It got deflected. I thought it was a good defensive play. It's tough to tell, you know, if he'd made a better throw, if it gets by that guy. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was all about Baker Mayfield. Now we can have the discussion and we should have the discussion whether or not Baker should have been playing, but I thought Stefanski called the game as well as he could have, the, the question is, should he even been playing Baker Mayfield to begin with or at the end you, to begin with or to you, finish with? Well, let, let me ask you this. Do you think there's any Baker is such a fighter and competitor? I was thinking about this the other day. Do you think there's any part of him that's concerned that if he does say that he needs a Sunday off or that he can't go, he's worried about, you know, Case Keenum or anybody else going in there and taking his job that if this Browns offense is better without him, you know, he, he doesn't yeah. feel comfortable and confident in letting someone else take, you know, the reins for a week. I, I think there's part of that. I think that's human nature and natural. I think part of it is, and this has been hanging over the entire season is he's eligible for a contract extension has not gotten it yet. There have not been substantive talks. Um, and he needs to do everything he can to prove that he's 
the guy and the long-term answer in the franchise quarterback. And part of that is, you know, if you're not the fastest guy in the world and you're not the tallest guy in the world, then maybe you need to be the toughest guy, right? So if you're looking at pros and cons for Baker Mayfield, hey, I don't miss games. I don't miss time. I play. Uh, I think that's part of his, I don't DNA, let's say. And I, I think that's something he tries, he is trying to protect um, by playing every week. So, yeah, I, I think all that is wrapped up in it, Judd, and the fact that he wants to play. And I, I'm sure he believes he's a better option than Case Keenum. I, I think all those things are involved in Baker's psyche. And, and I do think his willingness and his, it's not, it's not even willingness isn't the right word, his, I don't know, desire to play um, affects the decision by the coaches in the organization to say, hey, yeah, this guy's doing everything he can. Let's put him out there. How do you feel about him not talking to the media? And I guess he didn't celebrate with his teammates yeah. after a win. The media thing, it's a bad look, but I also know that probably people listening to this call don't care that he didn't talk to the media. Um, you know, it's more about how he does on the field. And I completely get that. I will say that not talking to the media means he's not talking to the fans, right? It's not like there's no, I mean, he could go on social media, but he didn't. So the fact is the starting quarterback chose not to talk about the game. And I know fans were listening to the post-game radio, right? Waiting for tweets about what Baker said. Um, and so the decision, I, I don't think it's a good decision. I think it's weak. I think there's, I know most quarterbacks talk after every game. I mean, that's policy. It's league mandated. Um, it's against, you know, it's against the league policy. I don't know if Baker, at some point you're, you're subject to a fine. If you decline media interviews, I don't know if, you know, I think guys get a warning first. As far as I know, that as far as I can remember, that's the first time Baker's done that. So maybe he just gets a warning. Uh, maybe the league takes into consideration the fact that he talked the next day. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a bad look. I'm not sure anybody cares, or I don't know sure anybody really cares outside of, you know, the media, but the fact that he declined comment and it wasn't an injury related thing. He wasn't in concussion protocol. Um, I think it's a bad look. And he talks about frustration, right? On Monday. Oh, I was frustrated. I don't want to say something I'd regret kind of thing. Well, you won the game, right? So where were, if the frustration was simply about how he played, which is what, he, which is how he tried to explain it. Um, that's fine. You could come in and say, I played like garbage. Like he said, Monday, I mean, like who's he protecting except himself, which more likely to me is he was afraid to say something about the fans who would boot him. And, well, and the, the best part is though. So he didn't want to get caught up in the emotion on Sunday. Right. And listen, we've all written that email that you, you probably shouldn't hit send and you should go back and read it later that night or the next day. And then you won't hit send, you know, you're caught up in that emotion. And, and I get that, that you don't, but, but then to come back the next day and still make a couple comments that I thought were, you know, not like the worst thing in the world, but he did take a shot at the fans and, you know, he did basically say, you know, he, he's not accountable to the media, like, like he still said some things after taking a day to think about it. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so, I mean, so, right. So what would he, can you imagine what he would have said after the game? I mean, it probably would have been worse. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you got to be able to control your emotions. You got to be able to control what you said. If, if you're aware enough of your anger or frustration that you don't want to say anything, then just don't say anything, right? So, I mean, that's my opinion on it. I don't, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world that he didn't talk. Now, if it became a pattern, then I think that would be, that'd be something else. And it's not good. I would never say it's okay. Um, and, and, yeah, it's a fan thing. and And – I don't know how you feel, Chud. I'd be interested to hear. Like, I think he has a point when he says fans need to be quiet on third down. Like, he's trying to quiet down the crowd. People are chanting Chubb. People are just excited. And I get the excitement, but this is a football town. Like, you should be quiet if the quarterback tells you to be quiet on third down, right? So I understand that frustration there. And he's brought that up times, time and time again. And it hasn't had the impact that, obviously, he would like it to have. Um so while I think he has a point, the way he expressed it, 
I know alienated a ton of fans. I mean, I just I have to just check Twitter while the in while the interview is going on. I can see my Twitter feed just loading up with people ripping Baker ripping Baker for ripping the fans. Yeah, and so you know he didn't rip all the fans, and I, I agree with you that 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 is frustrating for him. So I, I get that point. And here's another thing too. I mean. Were the fans necessarily booing Baker or were they booing the Browns offense or maybe the play call or what? Well, I mean, where was it? Was it directed at him? I've had a couple people think and, and say they think maybe it wasn't necessarily directed at him. Yeah, I, I thought it was directed at him. I mean, well, OK. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a Baker stinks chant or anything, which is there's no yeah. you could never argue. But I mean, it came after the interception. You know, that's <laughs> the first time I really heard. The booze was after that second interception and then the incompletion in Njoku on a third down after that, which, frankly, Njoku, I blame Njoku on that. It was a blitz, and Njoku took forever to get off the line of scrimmage. And after a play, Baker looks at him like, what the heck? Um, so I, I thought I blame that. I blame Njoku on that one. But, um, I, I, you know, it, it, it really felt to me like the fans were going after Baker. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a touchy area. Because, you know, you pay money to go to these seats. You're yep. allowed to boo. You're allowed to boo, right? Um, are you supposed to accept all kinds of performance and not care and just root for your team nonstop? Like, I get all the arguments, but I also get if you're the starting quarterback being hurt or bothered if the fans boo you. Like, so I get that. I just think Baker – I just don't think you're ever in any good spot by taking on the fans like you you can't win that battle so 24 hours later or whatever it was 21 hours later he probably should have known better than to take a shot at the fans yeah no doubt i'm gonna give you one more thing on baker and i've kind of said this in different ways but but here's how i'm gonna break down how i view baker mayfield right now okay yeah the browns since 99 at quarterback have been burger king all right you know, that's okay. it. it. It's Burger King. I mean, you know, it, it is. It's a good thing Burger we, King's we, not our sponsor, Judd. <laughs> right. Well, we all want the top-of-the-line steakhouse. Right. We want sure. that top quarterback that's just going to go out there and win you game after game and take you to the Super Bowl. We want that. We want that steakhouse. We don't want Burger King anymore. Yeah. What we have is Applebee's, you know, <laughs> some. Sometimes Applebee's is good on a Friday night. Sometimes eh, I don't really want Applebee's. I want a, a, a better meal. Sometimes Applebee's gets it done. Sometimes it doesn't. And that's what Baker Mayfield is. Right now, he is Applebee's. And, you know, that's a little bit frustrating. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think that, that analogy works. You know, it's a whole where does he rank? What tier is he on? Is he elite? Um, you know, you guys. And I, I go back and forth whether or not the fact that he was drafted number one, if that's Baker's fault, right? But there's no doubt that the expectations with being the number one overall pick carry being more than an average quarterback and more than a quote-unquote game manager, right? And not having the inconsistencies that he's had throughout his career, right? It's not just this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- that's why we're 11 games into – it's four season, and there's still an open debate whether or not he's going to be the guy, you know. And for some people, it's a closed debate that he's not the guy and that he's shown that he's not the guy. Um, I'm not 100% ready to go there. Uh, I think we have to weigh, consider the injuries that he's had this year and how that's affected his performance. Um, but here's what I want here's what I want to get to you, get to with you, Chud, about Baker. Would you have started him against the Lions, knowing what we know about the knee and the heel and the shoulder? And at some point, would you have taken him out of that game? And would you start him Sunday against Baltimore? I pro- <clears throat> Boy, those are great questions. I probably would not have started him against the Lions, thinking that Case Keenum would have been able to. That said, they at least escaped with the win. I think I need to see how it plays out this week. 
Okay. Oh, you broke up there for a second, Chud, so go ahead. Do you think he should be starting Sunday in Baltimore? Yeah, so, Scott, I mean, looking at this Sunday, I mean, in, in, you know, unless his injuries have worsened, I mean, I think you gotta, you, you got to ride him out now at this point. I mean, if, if, if they say that he's, you know, healthy enough to play in the biggest game of the year against Baltimore, you got to go with your starting quarterback. But, it, you know, if, he, if, if they feel, though, that, you know, if we're going to see what we saw last Sunday, then no, I, I, I wouldn't. But I guess that's the hard part, isn't it, right now, yeah. is, is we don't really know for sure. I mean, we know he's hurting and it's affecting his play. But, uh, I mean, if uh, you know, if he can get on the practice field this week and, you know, get a little bit of rest, then, I mean, I, I think you got to ride him out. But, again, to echo the point I just said, I mean, I, I don't want to see what I saw last Sunday, that's for sure. Well, right. I mean, they're not going to beat Baltimore with – Baker playing the way he did against the Lions and the passing offense in general playing like it did against the Lions. I tend to agree with you, Chud. I would play him Sunday, and there's plenty of my colleagues that disagree, and they wouldn't have played him against the Lions, and I would have. And it starts with the fact that if you're the starting quarterback and you can get out on the field and play, you go out and play. Now, he needs to play better. Like, to me, there's, it's almost separate. I know they're connected. And I know the injuries affect his performance. And I, we, I was on a conference call with Drew Brees yesterday and asked him about that. And he said, of course they affect him. You know, if everything, and he was just talking about the shoulder, the left shoulder, not even the heel and the, the left heel and the right knee. So I understand that. But to me, it's less about the injuries and more about the inconsistency that Baker showed Sunday. And by that, I mean, we see him make good throws, right? He made a good sideline throw to um, Jamarcus Bradley right before it was, a, it was good. And then that was, and then after that was the one for seven for minus one yard. There's other good throws that he made that I can think back on. It's okay. It was a good throw, good throw. He seemed, he was healthy enough to make those good throws, yet he misses Landry on the interception. He misses other throws, right? That you think, man, he's got to make those. And we're not, he missed Tooper on a couple of crossing or, you know, corner out routes. And it would, they were just bad throws. And it wasn't just high, right? He missed wide. He missed low. The play that Landry aggravated the knee injury, Landry's open over the middle, and Baker, like, bounces it to him. So he needs to throw it better, and I get that the injuries affect that. But if I'm Kevin Stefanski and I see him make good throws in practice and good throws in the game, and frankly, he scrambled a couple of times against the Lions, which he had not done earlier, which in, in previous games, which shows me that the, it's not like he can't move back then, right? He's able to move. Now, yes, he limps after he gets hit, and he limps to the sideline, but there's a difference, right? It, like, it's not like he can't move or run because we saw him do that. And as Stefanski would say, he can protect himself. So given all that, then he needs to play better. And you can, if you want to make the argument that right now Case Keenum is the better quarterback, then I'll listen to that argument. But if you're saying just sit Baker down because he has these injuries and it's kind of affecting him, my opinion is as your starting quarterback and as a guy that you're trying to determine if he can be your long-term answer, then he has got to rise above these injuries. And maybe I'm downplaying the injuries more than I should, but that's how I feel, and I really think that's how the Browns feel. Or if not, they wouldn't be playing the guy, right? Well, I think it's tough to judge a guy, though. If, if, if that, That's the thing is, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know how serious the injuries are. I mean, it, it's not his throwing shoulder, but yet it's still hard for me to believe that you can play to your best ability even when your other shoulder's hurting. And then the other injuries, I, you know, it's just – it's a tough thing to really analyze, I think. And it is, but if if the coaches just the coaches see him in practice, they talk to Baker. If the, if they feel like he can play, then I then I put then I shift the responsibility to Mayfield to play better on Sunday, right? Yeah, but like, Scott, that's kind of where though, I am. We, but I mean, we're lucky that we've been given the gift of sight, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what, what I saw against the Lions is, you know, I don't care what Baker says, you know. I'm at home against a team that you should be able to beat with Case Keenum, then maybe I do take him out. Maybe I don't start him against the Lions. But since they did make the decision to start him and they do feel he is their guy, then, hey, ride him out in Baltimore then. 
So, I mean, I think we're, we're on the same page kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a kind of, there's something in your voice like, eh. but like to me, he's been inconsistent before, right? Like, he misses throws even when he's healthy. So, well, true. Right. So I don't want to just say every missed throw is because he's got a bad heel or a bad knee or a bad shoulder. It's Baker needs to play better. And I know there's a, he's dealing with a lot of obstacles that are preventing him from playing at his peak performance. Um, so then maybe he does need to be honest and say, Hey, put case Keenum in the game. And maybe that, and I know a lot of people feel like Stefanski needs to take that decision out of Baker's hands, not to saying that it's just Baker making the decision, but needs to say, Hey, you're not performing like you need to. We're going to say it's the injuries. We're going to sit you down for X number of weeks. Maybe it's one week, whatever it is, and go with Keenum because he gives us the better chance to win. But well, maybe nobody's willing to do that. Yeah, well, there you go. I think you just hit right on the point there. Because if it's not the injuries and well, and that, that's another thing. I'm not convinced he's the guy moving forward healthy. Okay. So, I mean, I still need to be convinced of that. I mean, I just called the guy Applebee's, right? I mean, right. I, need a steak, I need a steakhouse. So I'm not, I'm not going to give a huge contract to, to Applebee's. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 want, I want an elite quarterback. And that's why he hasn't gotten the contract. We talked about it in the spring. Sure. We've talked about it over and over and over. The, I, the, what we're seeing just convinces me the Browns aren't sure. So, you know, and, and, and if this isn't the injuries – then boy, oh boy, we have a major problem. Correct. And it's, it's unfair to say that it's not the injuries because obviously injuries play some part. It's just how big a role do they play? Can he overcome? And if there's a little bit of me, or there's a lot of me that feels a little bit of the bronze decision is, hey, show us you're the guy. Take this team back to the playoffs at less than 100%. And oh, that will yeah. really be a, a check mark in your favor, right? Like that'll be a huge argument. And you're, hey, I'm the guy. If you can overcome all these things and find a way to win enough games and play well enough to get this team to the playoffs. Now, we started the show with the way he played against the Lions is not going to get it done against the Ravens, right? So something has to change this week. And maybe he does feel better. He, he said he feels like he's going to get better as the weeks progress, right? And he gets the bye coming up, coming up after the Sunday night game. So maybe there's a way for Baker to get through this game. They can find a game plan that works. He's healthy enough to get through this game. And then boom, that's like a launching pad for the rest of the season. Like there's a little bit, I can find that scenario where they summon enough to beat the Ravens, get this win. Baker plays well enough and then look out, but it's awful hard to get there given how they played the last two weeks. Yeah. And going back to the gift of sight thing is we have seen him play to a level where you think he could be the guy and that's what's frustrating about yeah. this because yeah, it just hasn't been enough correct it just hasn't been enough so uh all right before we get to baltimore a uh, couple concerns kicking game penalties injuries just go over those yeah kicking game um you know mclaughlin missed one which is going to happen and then he gets the black the black is more concerning to me that's two now that they've had black they got to figure that out jamie gillen it seemed to straighten things out for a few weeks. Had a bad game against Baltimore or against Detroit. Um, serious questions about the hammer, Judd, in the future of the hammer. I know he's got a huge leg. We don't see it enough. And he's, a, he's another part of this major inconsistency. The penalties have reached, I don't even know. I mean, frustrating is not, you know, not enough. Of all the things that bother Stefanski, that's like the consistent thing that he just keeps coming back to. And you can see the frustration on his face, how it's worn him down. Um, and I know coaches get blamed when there's penalties. And I know the buck stops with the coaches. But J.C. Treader said, hey, you can't coach us out of lining, you know, jumping in the neutral zone in false starts. Like, we got to figure that out. It's all about it's all about concentration and focus. And Stefanski's changing stuff in practice. They're restarting practice drills if they have a penalty. He's, I mean, I don't remember a guy getting a, offside penalty in running off the field before the coach yanks it. But that's what Malik McDowell did. Like on the first series, he had an offside. I think it was the first series. Neutral zone infraction, right? Jumps. And before they put the substitute in, he ran toward the sideline because that's how the coaches have it in your head. If you screw up, preaching that penalty, we're taking you out of the game. So the coaches are doing what they can. Now, maybe there's some magic elixir. Um, 
But, I mean, they're the same coaches. They're the same philosophies as last year when the Browns are really good at penalties, and they're not this year. And I, I think that's just one of those, when you go big picture, um, a little complacency. Maybe you're, right, maybe you're not working quite as hard as you did a year ago because you went to the playoffs and you think you're going to be good. And I think that's an area where it shows up is a lack of concentration on those pre-snap penalties. And then injuries, Kareem Hunt, Jack Conklin, both expected to practice this week, come off the IR, which would be huge. Um, Blake Hans has been trying at right tackle, but he's just not good enough. And Jack Conklin's an all-pro, and you need all the help you can get against this Ravens blitz. Kareem Hunt mentioned a little bit earlier, he's a spark to this offense. And maybe that helps Baker get on track in the passing game because you can throw to Kareem Hunt more. Um, I would think Donovan Peoples-Jones has a chance to play. He was questionable with their groin and didn't play. And they can really use Tack McKinley. He's missed three of the last four with that groin injury. Practice limited last week. Questionable did not play on Sunday. They need that third end that can give them that pass rush threat. And he's a quick guy. He can run with Lamar Jackson. Um, Jadavion Clowney hasn't had the impact recently that you'd hope him to, you know, you'd hope that he would have. So I, I think there's a chance they get back some key pieces this week. I think the Kareem Hunt would is huge. I really do. I think I mentioned that a few weeks ago. I think this offense, as much as I <laughs> raved about Chubb earlier, just having Hunt to come in when Chubb is out and like you said, to add to the passing game and his toughness uh, and what he brings to the team. I think that's a huge deal. I really do. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to get him back. So, um, but you know, going back and, you know, you feel like right now, the way Baker's playing, you just feel like this team cannot win the Super Bowl. That's how I feel, you know, and the question is, can they make the playoffs? And that's how he's playing right now. Yeah. The way the NFL is, I keep, I keep telling my daughter every week, I, I think I've told you this, my daughter's really getting into, you know, both of them are, but one especially is really getting into it. And I keep telling her the NFL, it's called not for long, you know, I mean, who would have thought the Texans would beat the Titans? I mean, there are things happening every week that we just have never seen before, Sky. I, I mean, we've both watched football our whole lives. It's the craziest season I can remember. Yeah, it, it really is. It, there's, you know, I heard it on some one of the national broadcasts I was watching. There's a game or two every week that you just can't get your head around. How did that happen? And I got to check in with one of my golf buddies. Um, he was in a big money Vegas survivor pool. Oh. And I, I, I just wonder if he's still alive or how many people can be in this. I mean, it's big money um, because there's just those games that you think are locks that turn into <laughs> not locks, right? That they're the opposite yeah. of locks. The door's wide open. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been one of those years. And you're right, Chud, they can't win a Super Bowl with Baker playing the way he is. But there is time. And we've seen Nick Foles get on a run. We saw Joe Flacco get on a playoff run, right? Things change. In the season, yeah. and it's how you're playing at the end. It's how you're playing. It's how healthy you are in the playoffs. So it's really hard to get there, given how they've looked the last two weeks, and even given over the first eleven weeks, right? If you just is a is a big shot, you know, is a wide view. But if you focus in on that Bengals game, you go, oh, okay. If you focus in on how the offense played against the Raven or the Chargers or the Chiefs, you can say, hey, I can see this, right? Like in my head, I can kind of get there. The defense. Um, has shown glimpses on multiple occasions. It's just, it's mostly the offense, you know, has not been as explosive as it needs to be. I mean, it's 17 points or fewer in six of the last eight games, right? That needs to change. And so much of that is about Baker. Now, part of that was Nick Chubb missing time. Part of it was Kareem Hunt. He's been out five of those games. Um, So I think there is a chance for this team to get on a run, but something it feels like something drastic needs to happen. And maybe that is as simple as going into Baltimore and getting that win. And that changes everything, but then you got to figure out a way to go into Baltimore and get that win. So where are we with Lamar Jackson? You didn't play last week. Uh, Sick. It wasn't COVID related, but I was looking at the line and it's three and a half now. And I think I saw it uh, at four and a half or five, maybe I think four and a half. So, I mean, the line's going down. I mean, you know, uh, I guess my first thought was the Browns would not win this game, but and we're not getting the predictions yet. But, I mean, that's a completely different scenario if, if Lamar's in this game or not. Uh, it, it, is he going to play this Sunday? I think so. I, yeah. I, I read the John Harbaugh press conference transcript from Monday, 
and he said he was feeling better, that Lamar was feeling better on Monday. Um, it felt like a game time decision Sunday. So who knows, right? I mean, it's a virus. Uh, something could happen between now and then. He could get sick again, but or he could, you know, kick back in. But I'm assuming he's going to play. And obviously that changes everything. Right? I mean, it's Lamar Jackson. Um, if they weren't playing, if Lamar was not playing, then I would pick the Browns to win because I think the Ravens have enough flaws. Um, and they still have those flaws, even with Lamar, but he covers up a lot of those flaws. Now, they're not perfect with him. And we saw that. I mean, all you have to do is go back to that Thursday night game that they lost to Miami with Lamar Jackson, and they don't score any points, right? And, I mean, not any, but, you know, I forget what the final score is. I watched it last night again. Um, and they didn't do much with Lamar. But I do expect him to play. And Sunday night on turf, he's a different player on turf. Um, you know, he escapes sacks easier against Miami. He Look, he slipped a couple times which you never know if he's going to be able to escape that pressure. Um, if he doesn't, if he stays on his feet and you're going to stay on your feet on the turf. Um, so yeah, I mean, he changes everything. I know I'm sure the Browns are preparing for him to play. And I think, you know, he's got a whole week to get better. Uh, so yeah, I, I think he's going to play now. They still have injuries over there in Baltimore and there've been big injuries. Anything you want to break down with the Ravens before we get to predictions or anything yeah. else on the uh, lions game? Yeah. Just real quick on the Ravens. Um, yeah. Number one, I'm, I'm so impressed by culture. You know, culture gets used a lot, but I think it fits here. You know, I mean, they lose both their top two running backs before the season. They lose their tackle in Ronnie Stanley. They lose their number two corner in Marcus Peters. They've lost other guys, other big-name guys, and yet they continue to win. And that's all about culture, tradition of winning, the coach, the attitude that the players have adopted. And I think that's an area and we see it. We also see it in Pittsburgh, you know, maybe to a little lesser degree, um, but they're still winning games. Even when people gave up on Pittsburgh, they almost beat the chargers and they were missing half their defense. Um, so I, I, you know, and it's rough for Browns fans to hear, but when you've won for so long, I, I do think it, it breeds more winning. And that's what you see with Baltimore. And that's what you see with Pittsburgh. And you've seen it again this year. And I think that's what the Browns and Bengals are trying to get to, right? Like where it doesn't feel like, oh man, we hit some adversity. We're going in the tank. It's, hey, we hit some adversity. We can still figure out a way to win this game. We'll go black a punt, right? We'll make a 66-yard field goal. Um, so that's been really impressive to me about the Ravens. And I give a lot of credit to that to John Harbaugh, who, you know, might be, you know, he's a top, in my opinion, he's a top three, four, five coach in this league. Having said all that, they still run the ball a ton, but they don't have the explosive backs. You know, for a while it was Le'Veon Bell, it's Devontae Freeman. It's um, a lot of it's Lamar, you know, so that's a big part of their running game. The Browns are going to have to figure that out because they've been, they've been bad against the run in three out of the last four weeks and they need to figure that out or they're going to not going to be able to beat the Ravens. That's like key number one. Uh, you got to figure out a way to slow down Mark Andrews, the tight end. That's always been an issue with the Browns is covering tight ends. Um, you know, Hawkinson didn't have a huge game last week, but, you know, Boyle was a quarterback, so that kind of throws everything out of, out of whack. So you got to figure out a way to slow down Mark Andrews. And then you can take advantage of the Ravens' pass defense. They had been 32 in the league. They might have bumped up a spot or two. But they're a bad pass defense. And they've had blown coverages. And they had another one against Chicago that should have cost them the game. But then the Bears had a blown coverage. So there's a chance to make some plays in the passing game. So having said all that, it feels like this is a game where Baker's going to have to do some things, right? They're not just going to be able to say, we're going to run Nick Chubb 40 times or Chubb and Hunt 40 times. I think in order to win this game, Baker's going to have to make a couple of explosive plays. Now, part of that is you got to protect him long enough. The Ravens like to blitz, and that's always an issue. Um, you know, so those are some things. And I'll also one more. If you watch that Miami game when they beat him on Thursday, beat the Ravens on Thursday night. It was a big story Troy Aikman kept talking about, cover zero blitz. And the Dolphins went with these blitzes where they didn't have any safety help. So guys are in – they weren't necessarily man coverage, but there was if – the, if the Ravens were putting four guys out in the pattern, right, four guys running routes, Dolphins would have four guys and not a fifth guy, not the safety that's usually back there, which means you're blitzing everybody and you can't really block everybody and protect it. And the Ravens could not answer that. And that's with Lamar Jackson, at quarterback, and they just didn't have an answer. And other teams have tried it. 
Now the Browns don't do cover zero much, if at all. Like I'm going to ask Joe Woods this week if they have done it at all this year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Browns handle that because we know that they don't blitz a lot. We know that they're more conservative, but do they change it up to try to get after the Ravens and expose something that they, that they've had trouble dealing with. So I think that's a huge part of this game. Now, if you do that and Lamar gets free, then it could be a touchdown, right? If he throws up a ball for Marquise Brown and he gets behind, you know, Denzel Ward or Greg Newsom, then it can be a touchdown. Like you're playing with fire, but the Dolphins played with fire and they got away with it and wound up winning that game. So they've proven they can win in Baltimore. They, you know, they did it a couple of years ago, but historically not good. I looked this up uh, yesterday. I think since 1999 in Baltimore, they have only won five times in 22 tries, Scott. That's not very good, Chud. (laughs) What's that? That's not very good. No, no, that's not good. Five times out of 22. Um, I mean, just historically, you know, they've, they've struggled against the Ravens, obviously. A couple notes. I, you know, I'm working on a piece uh, for the, uh, our go morning show on channel three. And um, yeah, that piece is going to air on Friday. And, you know, a couple of things I just threw out there, you know, is, you know, the penalties. And we talked about that, you know, they're not going to have any chance to win this game, you know, if, if they keep continue to make mistakes and, you know, you touched on that. And I, I really think the only, my opinion, the, they cannot get, it's similar to a camera. If it was the Bengals game. Yeah. It's similar to the Bengals game where, where I said, they're not going to win a shootout. And yeah. I don't think they can win a shootout in Baltimore. So in my opinion, for the Browns to win this game, it's going to have to be another Vikings slash Bengals defensive performance. I just think that that's, what's going to have to happen. And I also think, you know, again, I just think Stefanski, this is a time where he can really shine and come up with a game plan where after the game, we're like, man, he outcoached Harbaugh yeah. and the Browns found a way to win. Do I know what that is? No, <laughs> but right. after I see it happen, we'll be able to say it. And that's the thing. And that's why he gets paid millions of dollars to be a head coach in the NFL, you know, yeah. and, and it's similar to these fans. You know, I get emails and you see things on social media, be easy on Baker. It's the fans fault for being down on, but well, you know what? These guys make millions of dollars. This is what they do. This is their job. Go out and do your job and pull it off in Baltimore, bring home a winner and save your season. Yeah, Yeah, I hear you. And I do think there is that capability there and that chance for Stefanski to have his game plan of the year. I do think that's there. Now, I don't know. Again, I don't, like you said, I don't know what it looks like. Um, in order for that game plan of the year to work, your quarterback needs to execute it, right? Um, so if he comes up with that perfect play call that gets a guy open for the big play, then Baker's got to hit it, and your offensive line's got to protect, right? There's a lot of moving pieces. But, I, but I'm with you there. I, I feel like it's all been building to this game. And frankly, since, since, the, since the schedule came out, right, you circle these two games and say you'll probably decide the AFC North title and – to me, not much has changed. The Bengals are better than I thought. Maybe the Steelers are better than people thought. The Browns are a little worse than we expected, or maybe a lot worse, depending you know, depending on what you had as the record being. But the fact is, if they sweep the Ravens over these next two games, then the Browns are the favorite to win the AFC North. So that's a big yeah. ask. There's a big ask, and there's three weeks to go um, for that to happen. But it is there for them, and the Ravens are vulnerable. They are not the same team that they were. I mean, geez, if they were in August, they're not the same team. Um, you know, Lamar's had great games and has led great comebacks. And when I talk about the Ravens' psyche uh, or makeup, you, if you're if the Browns are up 14 in the fourth quarter, they cannot relax because the Ravens have come back plenty of times in the fourth quarter. So this game is going to come down to the end. Even if the Browns play well at the beginning, this game is likely going to come down to the end because that's how the Ravens play. So you got to play hard for 60 minutes or 70 minutes, whatever that number is, um, and know that the Ravens will have one last punch you're going to have to absorb. Um, But there are weaknesses, like we mentioned, and part of that's the passing defense for the Ravens. You know, I I can't call their running game, their run offense weakness, because, you know, they're in the top five in the league. Um, But a lot of that's Lamar, so you figure out a way to slow down Lamar, right? Um, 
They have more weapons. Bateman, that rookie receiver out of Minnesota, is playing pretty well. Marquise Brown did not play last week. They hope he can come back this week. He changes their offense because it gives you that speed and deep threat. Um, but they're just not the same team. They don't have the same, you know, they don't have the same pass rushers that they used to have. Um, so, yeah, the game, you know, I mean, and you mentioned the spread, right? It's not a huge spread. So the Browns should be in this game. It's just a matter of making enough plays to go out and finish it. You ready for predictions? Yep. All right. So we both uh, both on board with a win last week over the Lions. That puts me at eight and three and you at six and five. Is that right? I don't know, Chug. Probably. <laughs> I, I had a bad run there for a while. Why so down on yourself? You got to carry this out to the end. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to stop picking, but I wish. <laughs> but I He's feel like. It. Yeah, I had the pulse. Like, you know, it's tough. You run these guys every day and you're like, okay, I think I, you know, I think I got a feel for this. And then, you know, you get it wrong. So, um, and you get on the wrong, you know, how it is. You get on the, the wrong, the momentum goes against you when you're making the well, picks too. Yeah, because it's like you see thing one week. Yeah, I mean, I feel that. You, you yeah. see one thing one week and then what you thought would happen that one week actually happens the next week and then you just get them flip-flopped. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. exactly. That's what happens. But, hey, we're both over 500 bottom line. Um, so, I think, is it my turn to go first or yours? Sure, you go ahead. All right. So, you know, I, I will say this is one where I might, you know, we tape it's today's Wednesday when we're taping this. I obviously if Lamar doesn't play, that that changes a lot. So I think we're we're allowed to make a change here this week if, if Lamar doesn't yeah. play. But if, if he does play, I'm gonna go on the basis of I think we've broken down how the Browns can win this game. And if they do win it next week, we'll be saying, Yeah, that's exactly right. That's mm-hmm. you know, that's what they needed to do to win the game, and they did it. So could it happen? Sure. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say this is an impossible one to win. And, and the fact that the line is what it is, you know, makes me pause to think that the, maybe the Browns could win this game. Uh, but if Baker plays like he did last week and he's still hurting and, and that's, you know, I don't know. I, you know, we're not talking about the Lions here on the road Sunday night. I guess I want to pick the Browns, but I'm just not going to. Um, I am going to go Ravens, uh, Ravens, 27 Browns, 17, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit closer there at the end. And then the Ravens get some sort of touchdown at the end, to cover. So maybe, you know, if they'll say the spreads three and a half right now, so it's, you know, 20 to 17 and you're thinking, Oh, the Browns are covering. Right. And then they get that late touchdown to cover maybe something like that. So that's kind of where I'm thinking 27, 17. Um, You know, yeah, it's, it's not a shootout. um, But I just think the Browns, the Browns need to to keep them less than 27, meaning that, that Vikings game, that Bengals game. And I just don't know if the defense can stop Lamar if Lamar's all cylinders go. So that that's where I'm at. Yeah, all that makes sense, Judd. Um, part of me wants to pick the Browns to pull the upset here and, and just say, hey, they figure out a way to get it done, like we've talked about throughout this podcast. But I'm not going to do it just because I'm picking and I'm trying to get it right. And to me, logic says the Ravens win this game um, in Baltimore Sunday night. I expect Lamar to play. It'll be interesting to see how the Browns use JOK you know, he left the game in the third quarter with that ankle injury, um, the aggravation of the high ankle sprain from earlier in the year. Has not played a ton in the two games since he came back from that. But this feels like, you know, one of the reasons they drafted him was to, you know, whether or not you spy Lamar or just help, you know, blitz and be the quick guy that blitzes to go get Lamar. Um, I would hope that Joe Woods has a package for JOK, assuming the ankle's healthy. And so fancy said Monday that he thought he'd be able to play. Um, what kind of impact he can have, because I think you need to find a guy that comes, not comes out of nowhere, but makes that impact on defense like we're talking about. Um, so having said all that, I'm still going to pick the Ravens, even though there's a part of me that thinks the Browns will figure out a way. But I'm going to go Ravens 27, Browns 26. Uh, I think it'll be a little, I think it'll be higher scoring than maybe it needs to be for the Browns to win. I, I think both defenses are vulnerable. The Browns more so on the ground. I mean, I mean, they have like 
entering last week, they still have the fifth ranked rushing defense. But, you know, Pittsburgh, New England, and Detroit, they figured out a way to gash the Browns multiple times, especially just running straight at them. That's what the Ravens like to do that. The Ravens have a complicated run scheme. The Browns have to figure out a way to slow that down. Um, and we talked, I mentioned the Ravens' pass defense is vulnerable too. So I think the Browns will be able to score. You get Kareem Hunt back. Um, so I'm going to go 27 26. It could easily be Browns 27 26. Um, but I think logic says pick the Ravens, especially the way the Browns have played the last couple of games. So that's what I'm going to go with. Well, and to your credit, you know, we just keep track of the, you know, the win and wins and losses. I, I think you're killing me in Vegas. I mean, cause we, we both picked the lions, but I picked them to cover and you didn't. Yeah. And that I, was, a, that was a tough one. Cause the spread kept moving from like nine and a half to 11. And I think I had them winning by 10. So depending on when you got the, the line, I would have won. I almost kind of like, um, now, what's that term when you have a bet? When I almost edged the bet yeah, with the I, uh, yeah. with that with that <laughs> ten point spread. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you've been much better in Vegas. I I tell you, I um, I I do a uh, little pick them with a couple buddies, you know, just for fun with the uh, lines. And I I think I just I cannot get a feel for the Browns at the lines. I mean, I, I you know my scores have been um, all over the place. It's tough. It is. I mean, the whole – the Browns are tough, the league stuff. I'm in one of those where you pick every game against the spread. And I had a couple of good, <laughs> good weeks luck. early, and I actually won a week early. Um, but I want to say the last four weeks I've won five or six games each week. Like, it's hard. Um, oh. there's, you know, there's those teams you just can't get right. I think I got Minnesota wrong every game this year. Uh, Philly is another <laughs> gate team that I feel like I get wrong every year. So – or every Brutal. week. Every week. So Anyway – all right, Chud, thank you so much for the time, buddy. It was great talking to you. Have a happy Absolutely. Thanksgiving. You too. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, all the listeners. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you'll be listening to this at some point over your holiday weekend. Um, yeah, so we'll do this again next week. We have the bye, so we'll figure out when, we can, when we'll do the pod next week. But we'll have a lot to talk about. And, again, the conversation will be completely different if the Browns figure out a way to go up there and get this primetime win Sunday night in Baltimore. I'll be there. Um, looking forward to that game. It's a great press box. It's low. You get the, probably the best view in the league. So nice. big game. Looking forward to being up there. Um, so, yeah. So thank you, Dave Chodowski. This is Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. And you can read all my stories on brownzone.com, sponsored by Fligners. Thanks a lot. <laughs>